for those that are tuning in. This is the City of Iowa City work session on January 5th, 2021. And I think we'll go ahead and uh, get started. I'm gonna have someone reach out to Mayor Pro Tem um, to make sure that she has sign on. Kelly, if your office can do that, that'd be great. Thank you. And we're gonna start uh, first, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy to see you here. And Happy New Year to everyone in Iowa City. We're gonna start our work session today. We're starting early. Normally we start at 5 p.m., but we're gonna start with the capital improvement projects. And um, because this will be a longer session, um, counselors, I think if you are um, needing to take a break, if you want us to stop, you might wanna send me a message. Um, otherwise, I think just feel free to take a break and then uh, come back whenever. So we're gonna get started with our capital improvement projects plan and I'm gonna turn it over to our city attorney, city manager, Jeff Ruin. And I'm probably promptly gonna turn it over to our finance director and public works director who are gonna lead you through the presentations tonight. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Council, uh, good afternoon and Happy New Year. Uh, I'm Ron Kentucky, Public Works Director. Uh, today, we are happy to present the Iowa City Capital Improvements Plan. Uh, we will use the Esri uh, Storybook platform for the presentation. Uh, with that, I'd like to thank the Engineering Division and in particular, Killian Loghead for producing the final uh, presentation for us. Uh, the Capital Improvements Fund can be found in the proposed budget document uh, starting on page 481. Uh, today, we have five objectives. Uh, the first, uh, Dennis will go over the plan development process and the fund summary. Uh, second, staff will discuss the ongoing projects. Uh, these are projects that are not included in the CIP document, uh, but continue to have work completed on them. Uh, there will be 11 projects that will be discussed. Uh, third, staff will discuss the annual projects. Uh, there are 17 recurring projects that are identified in the CIP. Uh, fourth, staff will discuss the 125 projects that are identified in the five-year program. Uh, to try to save some time in this presentation, we've attempted to condense some of those projects uh, that are similar in nature uh, or uh, are going to be completed at the same facility to, to try to save some time in regards to that. Um, and with that being the case, uh, the projects as they're presented won't necessarily follow directly right along with the capital program as it's shown in the budget document. Uh, and then the final objective that we have uh, is to discuss projects that are considered to be on the radar. Uh, these are projects that are on the unfunded list and staff believe council should be aware of. Um, we appreciate this opportunity to present the 2021-2025 CIP. Uh, and with that, I'll turn it over to Dennis. Hello, uh, good afternoon. And, um... I believe they're going to bring up the uh, Esri presentation here, and uh, I've got about four slides to cover, essentially to walk you through the uh, the process of how we pull the uh, CIP program together. Uh, you know how we gather the forms, the data, and, and compile it, review it, and then also to give you a broad overview uh, of what is all encompassed in the program, uh, where the dollars are going to, and where they're coming from, and how this program kind of lays out from a big picture over the next five years. Um, so the first slide uh, just is the, the actual dates that we put together when we, 
when we start the program, we put together a calendar of dates. Uh, this starts about a month before our annual budget process, and it actually overlaps our budget process. And then at the end, we bring them both together. Uh, so September 1st, uh, the finance department sends out forms to the departments. And this is really to update projects that are in the program and for also gives them a chance to uh, submit new projects into the program. And we give them about three to four weeks to, to compile and update those programs. And uh, then when October hits, we produce that initial report. Uh, there is a, a committee that uh, made up of, of a variety of different departments that meets. Uh, we begin to review those projects, see how they overlap, how they over, how they work together. Uh, we gather that input, and then we we take a first uh, massage or amendment uh, to that report and to the program, and then we come back and issue uh, an amended or a follow-up program. Uh, once again, then uh, later in October. That committee meets, we'll review that amended program and kind of come up with what uh, I would say is a final uh, program. It's, it's, it's usually might be tweaked or amended as we go through the budget process to make sure that uh, the funding sources and the operating budget uh, mesh with the capital uh, program and, and that they both work together. Um, and generally we do that in early December where we, we bring that capital budget, capital program merge it with the operating program. And then we submit that to the city council. Uh, this year is on December 18th is when that kind of goes out the door as part of that budget book. Uh, so the next slide is, gives you an idea of, of where that spending is at. And you can see that the streets funding is, is by far the, the largest category of, of capital spending and and that's been that way for, for years. That's that's nothing new. Um, we do have some fairly substantial projects which you, what you'll hear about tonight. Uh, one being the Dodge Street reconstruction is in there for about 17 million of that 82 million. Um, then we also have a, a planned project about five years out for Taft Avenue of about 11 million. And then uh, our annual Street rehab, pavement rehab comes to about 11 and a half million. So those, those are the biggest chunks out of that 82 million. Uh, the next largest area that we are capital planning is wastewater at 23 million. So you can see it's a pretty large step down from, from streets funding to, to the next one is just sewers. And uh, the biggest part of that is gonna be the uh, digester complex uh, reconstruction in a couple of years of just under $8 million. So one project makes up about uh, one third of, of the full capital planning for the sewer uh, fund, the wastewater fund. And then uh, the third largest in this pie is the transit, which is a little bit skewed because 20 million of that 20.4 million is one project, which is our transit uh, maintenance facility, um, which right now we're, we're have slotted out a couple of years and also is really contingent on receiving federal funding. Um, and then the next largest is park maintenance at 14 million. And then in, from down there, it, it drops down pretty quickly into smaller, smaller pieces. Um, and so how we go about funding these projects, which will be our next slide. 
Um, this, this tells you where the money is coming from. So this is for all the five-year program. And uh, the biggest slice there is the GO bonds at $66 million. And so over the next five years, uh, we are projecting to issue $66 million in, in general obligation debt. Um, and that primarily goes towards streets uh, and parks where the biggest sources of funding and probably next would be uh, fire trucks uh, after uh, streets and parks. Um, and then the next largest sources of funding for the, the capital uh, plan or the capital projects you're gonna hear about uh, this afternoon are, are federal and state grants. So they make up a, a significant portion of our overall capital program. And uh, the federal grant portion there is, does include $16 million for the transit maintenance facility. So that is funding. We, we haven't had much luck in getting uh, the last few years, but hopefully, um, hopefully we'll have uh, our time here and we'll get funding and that project will take place. Um, and then the next largest after that is it's almost a tie really between road use tax and wastewater. You know, wastewater is one of those business type funds that sell funds through, through fees and charging for services. And so there's other than revenue debt, um, they really pay for their projects as they go. And, and for the road use, the, the bulk of that road use dollars goes towards the annual payment rehab. Um, it also funds some other things such as our ADA uh, crossings program and, and our traffic signal program. But the bulk of that goes towards pavement uh, rehabilitation. Uh, and then the last slide I'm gonna cover tonight or this afternoon, sorry, <laughs> is uh, and how that program lays out over the next five years. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a unusual layout. Typically you see the, the highest dollars being planned in, in the first year and then they taper downward and kind of a downward slide. Um, what this tells you is we have a, a number of large significant projects that we are planning ahead for in 23, 24, 25. So, you know, um, we do have a, a large number of dollars planned and, and Ron mentioned there's 125 projects out there in 21 and 22, but in 23, um, that's where the $20 million transit facility is currently programmed at. And also that $8 million digester complex uh, is planned in that 2023 year as all. So you can see that we have a number of very large projects planned in, in the middle of this program. And then in, 20, in 2024, we've got almost $16 million planned for the Dodge Street reconstruction. So those large projects have kind of pushed the dollars in these outer years up. And then in 2025, we got $10 million planned for the Taft Avenue reconstruction. And then also out there is a, a referendum-based project of roughly $6 million for the city park pool. So that, that kind of what causes this to be a little bit un, unusual pattern for, um, for our capital program, but it also tells us that, that there's a lot coming down the road here and, and there's a lot uh, to look ahead to here. Um, so that's the last slide I was gonna cover and, and I'm gonna uh, hand it off to Jason and he's gonna start taking you through the projects and he'll go through uh, with each of the divisions to, to talk about those projects. And, and then um, if there's questions later on in regards to financing or the program, I'd be happy to answer them. Good afternoon, Jason Hobble, city engineer. So I'll start things off as Ron mentioned with ongoing projects. 
So just a reminder, these are those projects that either are partially complete that we are looking at completing here uh, in the upcoming year or those projects that were planned for uh, a previous year that are, are not yet complete. So starting things off here with the 2020 asphalt resurfacing project, this is one uh, we completed a number of uh, overlay locations this previous year. There's one main section that remains, that'd be Muscatine Avenue between 2nd Avenue and Court Street. So we anticipate that work beginning in the spring and, and complete in 2021. Uh, just a reminder that will also include the pedestrian refuge island there for the Court Hill Trail on kind of the south end of that section. Next, we have the Idlewild stormwater drainage diversion. So you guys have seen this recently. This is actually uh, in the bidding process, so we anticipate taking bids for this project early this year. Um, again, this will be construction of a, a bypass along the kind of the west side of the Idlewild area to help alleviate or, or deal with some of the, the localized flooding that has occurred uh, historically in this area. Um, just a reminder, this also this project will also include as a, a bid alternate the um, pumping station that would be uh, for the area as well. The Riverside Drive pedestrian tunnel, this is one that's been in the works for a while. We actually have uh, nearly finalized uh, design plans for this project. Uh, late in that design process, we received word from the railroad that they were uh, no longer supportive of the project. And so with that, we've kind of gone back to with back to work with our consultant to try and figure out um, ways to, to respond to some of the concerns that were raised by the railroad and, and find a way to move this project forward. Um, so the plan is still to install a, a pedestrian tunnel. Uh, again, this is along the west side of Riverside Drive between Myrtle Avenue and Benton Street. Um, and it would essentially include not only the tunnel through the the embankment there, but also sidewalk connections to the, the north and south. Next is the Melrose Court Sanitary Sewer Replacement. This is a sanitary sewer line that uh, was badly in need of repair. We were having maintenance issues out there repeatedly and, and quite frequently. Um, so looking at replacing that line, essentially replacement of a, um, an existing line with that, we also are looking at making some improvements to the, the sanitary sewer and storm sewer alignment. There's actually a sanitary main that runs underneath one of the buildings there. So we're looking at realigning that to uh, take care of that issue, as well as some storm sewer alignment improvements as well. Looking at that construction, uh, the plan would be in 2021. American Legion Road reconstruction. This will be a complete reconstruction of American Legion Road from Scott Boulevard out to Taft Avenue. It includes going from a rural section with ditches and turning that into an urban section. So we'll have curb and gutter and storm sewer. Also will include wide sidewalk on one side of the street, uh, include bike lanes, uh, on-street bike lanes, as well as utility improvements this project will also include the roundabout at the Scott Boulevard and American Legion Road intersection, as well as the pedestrian underpass near the new Hoover School. This is uh, will be bid through the DOT and we anticipate that happening in March. So this will also be uh, likely a two year construction window. 
First Avenue and Scott Boulevard intersection improvements will include a new roundabout at the First Avenue and Scott Boulevard intersection. Um, there'll be some utility improvements as well, but the, the majority of the project will be the, the installation of a new roundabout there. That one is currently under design and looking at 2021 construction as well. Second Avenue bridge replacement. This is one that's currently under design, looking at construction, hopefully in 2021, essentially will be replacement of uh, the existing bridge, which has reached the end of its useful life. There'll be some uh, slope protection or, or bank stabilization work as well. Also uh, water main connection likely uh, incorporated into the bridge design. With this, it'll also include sidewalk infill. So it'll, not only have a sidewalk crossing on the bridge, but also connect to existing sidewalk to the north and south of this location. Continuing on the sidewalk infill, Gilbert Court sidewalk infill, this is a location where we've received uh, complaints from time to time in the past. There's a section actually on both sides of the street that lacks sidewalk on the, the Gilbert Court area just north of Highland. So this will look at basically extending sidewalk on both sides of the street from Highland up to where the sidewalk currently ends along Gilbert Court. Again, this will be one that we're looking at construction early in 2021. Scott Boulevard trunk sewer. This one is actually on the agenda tonight to hold the public hearing. This will be extending the sanitary sewer uh, trunk sewer basically from where it currently ends, just north of the railroad tracks, extending that up to American Legion Road, kind of the alignment there shown um, in yellow as part of this project. We'll also be able to remove the existing pump station that is located just north of American Legion Road, uh, kind of at the north end of that project. Down at the wastewater plant, we have a dewatering roll-off pavement project. Essentially what this will do is install a, a pad where they can then utilize that for the use of dewatering roll-offs and what these are typically used for those loads um, from such as uh, sand and car wash and septic haulers. Basically it's a way for them to dewater those loads before they, they deal with them down at the plant. Um, and so this will just give them a, a more solid working surface and make it much more efficient. Rehabilitation of collector wells three and four. So this is on the water side of things. Um, basically what they'll look at doing is clean out the existing laterals for wells three and four, as well as repairs and rehabilitation of the pumps and, and the wet wells for those facilities. That is the ongoing projects. So we will next move to the annual project section. So these will be the projects that have money every year within the program. And it looks like we're gonna kick things off with the park side of things. So I'll turn it over to Julie. Okay, so the first project we have up is City Hall, annual improvement ones. Um, oops, sorry. This is ongoing projects. So in year three, it is uh, or this year it is carpeting and painting on the third floor of City Hall. Future years include roof replacement and a few other things. So it's ongoing maintenance and repair items in City Hall. 
Next, we have the Park Annual Improvement Project. Is it, Kelly, are you moving the screen? It's moved, Julie, go ahead. Oh, okay, it's frozen on mine. Okay, so park, the Park Annual Improvement is park signs. Um, this past year, we did basketball court replacements. We are adding benches, bicycle racks, bike fix-it stations and grills throughout the park. So these are smaller projects throughout the parks and then also gives us the opportunities when uh, partner or grant op opportunities come up. Number three is the park ADA improvements. These are access improvements to different parks. It could be curb ramps um, or additional paving of paths to get to the um, playgrounds or other park amenities. Interest City Bike Trails is smaller trail projects that are generally connection projects or finishing out small sections of trails. A recent one would be a small section right in front of the Parks Maintenance Shop on, um, on Gilbert Street. The fifth one is annual rec center improvements, access improvements, entrance repairs. One of the next ones coming up will be uh, redoing the entrance uh, paving at Mercer Scanlon. Right now at the rec center, which is the reason I'm doing this from home is that we have demolition happening in the rec center for the on deck restrooms. Um, one other small project there and uh, building signage, some other things like that. And then number six is tree planting. One of our newer ongoing capital projects. Uh, we are right now in the process of preparing the bid documents and letting the neighbors know in the Mackinac neighborhood and then also along Scott Boulevard uh, for tree planting projects that will happen next season, next planting season. I think that's it for Parks and Rec. All right, back to me for annual stormwater improvements. So this is an account that we use for improvement or issues that come up on the stormwater side of things. So every year we kind of deal with repairs to stormwater infrastructure such as intake, or storm sewer pipe, uh, dealing with issues of damage pipe, collapse pipe, open joints, that kind of thing. A lot of times we'll see similar to what's here in the picture is sinkholes. A lot of times are an indication of that. So just replacing or repairing those facilities and in those areas as they come up around town. Next one, I think, is the traffic signal projects. So this is something that we use every year, helps to fund either new traffic signal locations or a lot of times it's to help repair or upgrade traffic signal locations that are existing. This, one, this project will also include the installation of pan tilt zoom cameras at a number of locations that don't currently have those. And I think those were scheduled for 20 22 um, will be the next time we look at installing a, a group of those. Next one is the traffic calming account. And this again is kind of based on need or request. So this is for construction of traffic calming measures that make it all the way through the neighborhood process. So once they're selected and approved and the neighborhood is voted to approve those, then the actual construction dollars come out of this account. Next one is the curb ramp ADA and 
this funds an annual project where we go and, and look for locations that need either new ramps or upgraded ramps. Typically our priority is those locations that have sidewalk facilities but do not have any curb ramps. So those areas with full curb would be our top priority. And then we also then work our way down the list of those sites that may have ramps that are not compliant, either they're too steep or don't have truncated domes. Um, but those locations are, are throughout the city and will vary from year to year. Next one is our annual pavement rehabilitation. So again, this is uh, the asphalt overlay is obviously a, a big portion of that. This account also pays for PCC patching, crack sealing, uh, chip sealing, other pavement maintenance projects that we have throughout the city. And those, uh, again, will vary as far as locations throughout the city. Um, that's also comes from recommendations from our recently uh, completed pavement management study. Underground electrical facilities. So this is an account that will help pay for those times when we look to help relocate electrical facilities from overhead to underground. A lot of times those are situations where we have other projects in the area and the Mid-American will need to relocate their facilities depending on the corridors and, and costs. We'll sometimes have conversations with them to look at ways to relocate underground uh, helps from obviously an aesthetic standpoint, also from a safety standpoint from an American side. Um, a lot of times what that'll be is if they already need to relocate, we'll pay essentially the upcharge that is necessary to go underground versus just relocating in another aerial position. Next is the annual bridge maintenance and repair project. So this is one that we use for our biennial inspections. So every other year we go through and inspect all of the bridges in Iowa City. From that, we also get repair and, and maintenance recommendations from our consultant. So this account would help to fund those. Typically those are the, again, kind of repair and, and rehab projects. Anything that would be a full replacement or, or anything like that would actually cut typically be its own CIP account. So this would be more the on the repair and rehabilitation side of things. Next, the annual sewer main replacement. So this is a, an annual fund that typically will fund a, a couple of different projects. One being the sewer lining project. So that is going in and looking at lining existing sanitary sewer or sanitary manholes. And what that typically does is for those, those sections that are in decent shape, but maybe starting to show some signs of needs of repair, we can go ahead and line those and get a lot of life out of them for a, a re relatively economical um, standpoint. And then as well as the, the lining projects, we also typically have a, a sewer repair project every year. And what that'll do is go in and, and complete spot repair. So maybe the most of the lines in good shape, but we have a section that may have some deficient joints or um, pipe issues. And so we'll go through and, and make those spot repairs uh, out of this account. With that, I will turn it over to Kent to talk about the, the bicycle master plan. Yeah, greetings. Good afternoon, Kent Ralston, transportation planner. 
Uh, most of you will remember that back in 2017, the city adopted a very ambitious spike master plan. And with your continued support, I'm happy to report that we've really made some tremendous progress. I just wanted to take a minute just to give you a quick update on a few of the projects that we completed back in 2020. Uh, Jason had already mentioned one, which was the American Legion, uh, or excuse me, the McAllister Boulevard project, uh, where we have bike lanes now between Gilbert and Sycamore. Uh, in 2020, we also finished bike lanes on Dodge Street south of Burlington, uh, and also completed the four to three way conversion, uh, four to three lane conversion of uh, Dodge Street between Bowery and Kirkwood. So we've got that continuous bike lane now, uh, essentially from uh, North Iowa City on Dodge Street all the way to Bowery. Uh, we also uh, completed a uh, uh, implementation of bike lanes on Burlington Street across the Iowa River, uh, you, you may have noticed. Uh, that was a major barrier that was identified in the bike master plan and it's nice to get that completed. Uh, as far as upcoming projects in 21, uh, Jason did mention the American Legion Road project uh, where we'll have bike lanes as well as a 10 foot wide side path. Uh, that'll be a nice project to link up to Hoover School and one that's been uh, needed for some time. We also have the Highway 6 side path, uh, Fair Meadows to Hines, uh, which you may hear about later today. Um, and then we've also introduced a 2025 project in the CIP uh, to continue that side path from Fair Meadows to Sycamore. And that really completes the entire, uh, once those two projects are complete, uh, continues the entire Highway 16 trail corridor, uh, which is something really special. Um, as part of our planning efforts to become a, a gold bike friendly community, I also wanted to just mention a few things that aren't capital uh, investment related and staff has been working on a host of other educational and promotional work. Uh, we've created a series of 14 episodes of bike shorts videos, we call them, uh, which really educate the community on everything from how to maintain your bike to how to ride at night to how to ride safely on bike lanes uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, we created a rules of the road brochure and translated that into six different languages to try and reach as many of our residents here in Iowa City as we can. Uh, and then uh, in addition to a host of other things, we also have been creating uh, some weekly maps highlighting popular routes and encouraging folks to use our trail system uh, here during the pandemic. We know that's uh, good for both health, uh, both physical and mental health. Um, and I think you'll hear about most of the capital projects here uh, in, your, in the rest of the presentation today, but I'll be here for questions uh, if necessary. Good afternoon. Um, we have quite a bit of um, facility updates that we need. This is our 40th year of the Senior Center being here since 1981. Um, as you see, this is a picture of some of the water damage um, issues that we have going on. Um, we uh, have been working with a consulting, uh, consultant firm here for a majority of this year to get a master plan. Um, we're about 95% complete with that master plan and we'll be coming back to you all later to kind of go into detail of some of the updates and needs. Um, there's some tuck pointing, um, some, some wood floors that need to be um, um, changed as well as we need furniture replacement for multiple reasons. Um, and lots of remodeling. We have some ADA, uh, significant ADA needs. We have some immediate needs 
um, for ADA to make sure that the facility works for the population we serve as well as the public. So uh, we'll be working on those things um, as, as soon as we're able. Um, but so far the plan is to work on some of those immediate needs and, and go on down the line. It'll be quite a bit of work. It'll be a couple of years before we're actually completed as well as we'll have some long-term um, items that we'll need to restore. We'll restore a lot of the historic um, portions of the outside of the building, as well as um, really having in more focus on our, the west side of our building um, for a new entryway. Uh, we always have had the Washington Street entryway, but we really want to bring some focus there as well as create an exterior for uh, folks to be able to really know which door to come in to help with wayfinding in the building, which will help with folks um, over time with diminished capacity, as well as um, new folks coming into the area to know where to come into the senior center and having our receptionist desk move down to that door um, so that it's a little bit more centralized for folks, um, as well as carpeting that needs to be changed, uh, walls, as well as moving some offices around, creating new fitness spaces, as well as looking at um, uh, some of our new classroom spaces. So we're really excited about um, those options for us. Um, we, uh, we really uh, appreciate um, the, the public input that has been provided to us and we've been able to accommodate it and, and move things around to making our plan work. And so um, the plan is still up and going and we'll definitely keep you all up to date. There we go. Good afternoon. This is Daria Nagelgan with Transportation Services. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, we have the last project of the annual projects list. Um, it is simply parking operations and maintenance of our parking facilities. Um, our annual project includes concrete restoration, application of sealants, repair of control joints, and, and just generally all of the things that we need to do to help maintain our facilities, which are, of course, um, open uh, open air, exposed to the weather, get lots of wear and tear and whatnot. Um, also part of this project too is, uh, I think our last remaining lights maybe that the city manages um, are the lights on top of our ramps that are not yet uh, switched over to LED lights. So we're hoping to fold that into the project and get those um, on a more energy efficient, um, uh, more energy efficient system very soon. All right, good afternoon. I'm Mike Tharp. I'm the airport manager for the Iowa City Airport. Um, walking you through the, the airport CIP, we are one of those departments that does depend on funding from other agencies in order for our CIP uh, plans to go forward. Um, the FAA funds, when they fund a project with us, they fund 90% of that project. The state uh, has a similar program to the, uh, uh, the federal side. They supply 70 to 85% of the funding depending on uh, their, 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 their project. And uh, through the budget process, the city uh, gives us $100,000 that we use as matching for uh, those grant opportunities. Um, with that, one of the things that the, uh, we encountered with the CARES Act last year, uh, the CARES Act did turn our fiscal year 20 grants into 100% federal shares. 
So we were able to, and we're planning on using some of those grant matching funds that we didn't have to allocate to uh, the federal grants to do some projects at the airport that uh, don't typically meet the, the uh, scoring criteria to get awarded funding. Um, starting off our project list is the 1230 obstruction mitigation and part 77 airspace mitigation. This is actually phase two. Um, because of the timing and some issues with the uh, uh, environmental, uh, with the uh, Protected uh, Species Act, uh, brain's going blank, <laughs> sorry. Um, we are uh, actually out to bid for that and that will happen this winter. But uh, last year we went through a major uh, mitigation project with the, the, the uh, neighborhoods uh, around the airport. And during that time, there were about a dozen or so um, other trees that were tagged as, as being too tall and encroaching into the approach pass of the airport. Um, so we are working with neighbors to mitigate those. Uh, the next project is the airport parking lot expansion. This is actually one of those projects that typically doesn't score very well with the, the state scoring system. So we are hoping to use um, those grant funds that we didn't have to expend on, on the federal projects to do this. Uh, as you can see from the picture, the last couple of years, the airport has been at capacity for um, parking on many occasions. Um, it does make it uh, a little bit harder for folks that are using the airport to get in and get out and um, you know, just make it a little bit more convenient with some more parking. 3465, the runway environmental assessment, uh, runway seven. This is a, a project that may or may not come to pass uh, based on FAA criteria, but the initial plan uh, for the runway seven end is we can stretch a couple hundred more feet of runway in that, uh, on that end uh, to increase our landing distance. This is a project that comes from our airport master plan. Uh, that master plan is, is a roughly 20 year uh, plan on how to develop the airport and the air side needs of the airport. Um, it is blessed by the FAA, and uh, FAA uses that kind of as their planning mechanism. Um, again, this one would uh, be the start process, make sure there's no environmental issues or, or anything else to adding that, that couple hundred feet to the end of, of seven. Um, it still keeps everything within the, the square footprint of, of the uh, airport. Um, runway 25 threshold relocation. Uh, this is something we're working on uh, next spring. It is kind of the, the end result of our um, master plan update. And, and the goal of that was to take the airport, take the, uh, the, the infrastructure that we have, and without really dramatically, and without expanding the, the footprint of the airport, maximizing the efficiency and the use of the airport facilities. So with that, we're able to uh, bring that threshold back about 800 feet. Um, that'll get us not quite to our 5,000 uh, foot landing distance on runway 25 and uh, that 5,000 foot landing distance is a, a pretty big number because a lot of our charter our, uh, charter operators use that number for um, being able to land at the airport and also for taking fuel for aircraft that, that uh, does land at the airport. Uh, the runway 1230 displaced threshold and relocation uh, this is one of those projects that is tied in with the mitigation work, uh, making the airport uh, just a little bit more efficient. Uh, we can slide the uh, landing distance on the northwest side of the airport down a little bit, and we do add a little bit of uh, concrete to maintain our um, existing distances on the southeast side, but it does shift the 
protection zones, the approach zones that are over the Northwest neighborhoods um, a little bit closer into the airport and uh, allows, uh, allows the, the, the protection airspace over the neighborhoods to be higher in the sky. Um, airport apron expansion. This is a, a more or less an airplane parking project. Um, we do get fairly busy, especially during football season with airplanes. Uh, the FAA has a formula for based on uh, operational activity and how big of a parking apron you can have. And we are looking to expand our parking apron based on that formula. And then the next one is uh, runway 725 pavement repairs. This is a, a crack ceiling pavement maintenance project. Uh, uh, the uh, runway 725 was a project that was started in 2008, 2009 in terms of the rehab. So we are uh, at a point now where uh, some basic maintenance, crack ceiling, uh, uh, you know, uh, crack ceiling, stuff like that will extend the life of the pavement. So we don't have a major uh, reconstruction project on our hands in the near future. Uh, runway 1230, the next project is the same thing. Um, again, just slotted for the end of uh, fiscal, uh, the end of 2024, so the end of this uh, plan uh, to do the same crack ceiling pavement maintenance. And that is the airport's plan. Good afternoon, everybody. John Greer, Fire Chief. I have a couple projects to talk with you about today. As uh, Dennis indicated in his opening remarks, we have a, over the next five years, we have a few apparatus that are due for replacement. That's the bulk of our uh, capital improvement program. Just for your refresher, we uh, base our replacement on a fleet management score, working with the equipment division and number of years in service. And then if we happen to have a, an apparatus that develops a, a problem that's not fixable, we ask to have it replaced a little sooner. But coming up in this year, we have for the next big purchases, the, uh, our big ladder truck, which works out of downtown. And then we take a couple years off and re replace our smaller ladder truck, which is stationed on the west side of town at station two. And then uh, the Scotty house is that fire safety house that we take around to the schools. And then we have some pumpers coming up due for replacement. Uh, in 25 and then in a couple future years after that. The second project is uh, we developed a crack at fire station one floor and it has slowly been expanding. So we had some uh, design professionals come in and look at it and their assessment was is that it needed to be removed and replaced. So that's the uh, $95,000 for this year. Any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Thanks. Hi, I'm Ellsworth Carba, the director of the library. Um, we've got three projects to speak about today, um, and feel free to jump in with questions if if you've got any. Um, we are in a great building that's really heavily used, um, and it was finished in um, 2004, so we're about 17 years into the building life, um, which. I think is you're starting to hit that, that sweet spot of things starting to need to be replaced and, and refinished. So we're looking at a multi-year project here to replace some of the carpeting and furnishing um, in the big parts of the library. The 
the cost of this project includes both the replacing of the flooring and and some of the furnishings, but also all that demo and prep and moving the materials to facilitate these um, these replacements. This is um, simply um, maintenance that needs to be done in a building as it ages, and I look forward to. Um, hopefully making choices that will last as long as this first round did um, and continue to very carefully steward those, those resources. And that's it for the first one. Um, and our second project here is looking at an automatic material handler. Um, this library and many, many other libraries use RFID tags on our materials. So when they're checked in and checked out, um, our computers communicate with those chips to keep track of the items. Um, and that's kind of how our catalog operates. An AMH um, takes part of the human input out of those systems. And this building was designed to facilitate to hold an AMH machine downstairs in our first floor returns area. Um, they're basically um, a system of conveyor belts and bins that does some of the initial sorting of materials for you. Um, libraries that have these machines uh, get benefits like increased return time from when an item is returned to back on the shelf, more accurate um, circulation statistics, um, fewer hands on the materials before they're back and ready for reuse. The reason that, that I'm bringing this up right now um, is there's a the, our library uses volunteers to do a lot of our check-in work. So uh, we're, we're feeling pretty concerned about will those volunteers come back after this COVID experience? The trend that we're seeing nationally is libraries that are ready to bring their volunteers back aren't seeing that. So this piece of machinery would help us bridge that gap um, between a task that was done very heavily with volunteer work to allowing us to, to keep doing what we're doing uh, have staff doing other other dynamic work. I want to be clear with this one that there is no intention of reducing staff if we did introduce this machine, um, that it doesn't supersede the work of human beings. Here it would replace some of the work done by volunteers in anticipation of maybe needing to do different work to get those folks in. Um, we are one of the few, if not the only, size H library in Iowa. Um, that doesn't use an AMH. They're, they're a very common piece of library machinery. Um, and it, I think that we'd be coming in at a great time when the technology is pretty advanced and ready to do the work that we need. That's it for that one. And uh, the last project sheet that I put in was to look at doing um, a facility study looking at space needs and environmental impact. Kind of like with that flooring project, um, you know, we're, we're getting, our, our building is aging and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to set ourselves and future generations up for success. So we want to make sure that our spaces are being used well, um, that we're, we're doing the, the best um, work with our large and small systems to, um, to contribute to, a, you know, a greener future and make sure that we're, we're incorporating those into the plans. So this is a multi-year project that would first start with having experts come in to do those um, evaluations of how we're using the space, um, how we're impacting the environment, and then going on to implement some of the changes that may be suggested. Thank you.
Yes, hi, Kent Ralston again. Uh, Neighborhood and Development Services has just one project in the plan this year. Uh, this is for remaining funds for implementation of our new software package, uh, although the package is largely up and running. Uh, the software handles everything from tracking of residents' requests to tracking and processing subdivision applications and is also used to process building, construction plans, and housing inspections. Okay, moving on to Parks and Recreation. This is Julie Seidel-Johnson, Parks and Recreation Director. Um, it's fun for me to look through this list because in the five years I've been here, we've accomplished just about this number of projects. So it's fun to keep moving forward and we appreciate support on a number of things. Uh, the first project we're going to talk about is, is simply replacing the roads or resurfacing the roads at the cemetery. Um, they haven't been done in a number of years, so this replaces um, some of the asphalt within the cemetery. The second project, Kent Ralston actually already talked about, this is one of the trail segments along Highway 6. Uh, this is the Broadway to Fair Meadows section. Later on in the project list, you'll see the Heinz Road to uh, Fair, Fair Meadows trails, both important trails along the Highway 6, Highway 1 corridor. Item number three is the city park pool replacement. We know and love city park pool. It's a nice historic pool, 72 years old this uh, summer, one of the oldest pools in the state of Iowa that is still operating. Um, we will be embarking on a recreation and aquatic facilities master plan this spring and summer with one of the questions being what should be the future of city park pool? Um, do we renovate it as it is? Do we replace it? What are the needs of the community that can be best met with this? And so this gives us a, a placeholder for that project uh, in 2024-25. The next one is three very popular splash pads, one at Fair Meadows, one at Weatherby, and one at Tower Court. And specifically, the ones at Fair Meadows and Weatherby are beginning to show their age. The equipment um, is becoming more difficult to maintain. The, uh, it's fading. There's some equipment errors in it. So we will be looking at replacing the above ground equipment. Not a wholesale uh, redo of the splash pads, but simply um, a refreshing of them with new play features on the top. And that is in 2023 and 24. The next one is behind the scenes, but very important. And this is upgrading building automation controls. This is what runs our heating, cooling, dehumidification systems throughout the city uh, through our government building staff. This will uh, replace the systems in a number of facilities, including fire stations, the animal care center, um, senior center, and I believe there's one more, but this is, uh, it's all behind the scenes. What it will allow is for all of the systems to be on the same platform so that staff can uh, monitor them and do a, an, an amount of adjustment remotely as, as needed. Gives us a better record of what's going on and will help increase the energy efficiency um, of all of these facilities. Item number six is two new parks eventually, one in the Palisades area in the new Northeast area, and then one in Stonebridge, just uh, kind of uh, north and east of where Fronholtz Miller Park or the St. Pat's Catholic Church is. We have land in both of these areas and this would just develop smaller uh, public use parks on those lands. 
Item number seven is Chattuck Green Restroom and Shelter. This is our largest or second largest community garden site, but that is all it is right now is community garden site and open space. Gardeners would really like to have a gathering place and a shelter along with the restroom and probably some kind of uh, counter space for washing vegetables or doing potlucks or something like that within the shelter. That's scheduled for 2022. Item number eight is rec center improvements, both to Robert A. Lee and Mercer Scanlon. Um, we have been ongoing uh, doing smaller projects and doing projects tonight on the agenda. You have a dehumidification project um, and tuck pointing project at Mercer Scanlon. Uh, this project in the future years will look at both locker rooms uh, for ADA accessibility and um, just making them more inviting to the public in general, along with some renovations at Robert A. Lee to change some of the classrooms and use spaces to match public need. Once again, one of the questions we'll be asking as we do the master planning next spring and summer. Item nine, Whispering Meadows. This has been in the plan for a while as uh, an upgrade by adding a shelter and small playground and some access paths. Uh, but we recently received a state resource enhancement and protection REAP grant. Uh, so that moves part of the project up to 21 um, as we have $90,000 from the state to do ecological improvements. So we'll be working on the wetlands plantings, removing some of the invasive species and replanting the area and getting it one of the new park sites. Item 10 is shelters and restroom replacement in lower city park. Later on, we'll have one in upper city park. Uh, we've been looking closely at the use of these facilities and the number of facilities in this park, following along somewhat with the city park, lower city park master plan, moving things eventually away from the river and up towards the hillside, uh, as with the new playground that just recently opened. What this will do is consolidate the shelters so there'll be fewer shelters um, and restrooms but they will be higher quality. And we think that really matches the amount of use that the park is receiving and has for a number of years. Number 11 is Kiwanis Park. Um, this is a 2023 replacement, most likely of the playground area primarily. It, it did include a shelter at one time. It's in really good shape. So I don't know that the shelter will re be replaced. The playground is a favorite because it's built into the hill and it, it's got natural, uh, some natural areas into it. It's also very hard to maintain and is very much showing its age. So leading up to this, we will definitely have a neighborhood process to look at what type of playground people would like to see as a replacement. It might be a nature playground again, um, or it could be something completely different. I think it, that the sleet's wide open for that large of an area. Number 12 is renovating softball fields at Napoleon Softball Complex, fields five through eight. Uh, this includes regrading, getting uh, the drainage uh, repaired and fixed up. So just makes them uh, more e easier to maintain and um, safer for players as well as maintenance staff. Number 13 is the Upper City Park Shelter and Restroom 2024, similar to Lower City Park, looking at consolidating the number of restrooms and shelters that we have at Upper City Park um, and replacing them with, with better quality facilities there. Number 14 is Hickory Hill Park, the North, the Conklin Shelter, uh, replacing that in the restroom. I believe this is the last one we have of this style that's out there and this would be 2025. And it would simply be a replacement of the restroom and shelter with the similar design that we've used at Creekside, Willow Creek, 
uh, Weatherby and a number of our other parks at this point following the park master plan. Glendale Park and Shelter will be next summer. Uh, this is a smaller park where we'll be looking at replacing the playground equipment and then adding a small picnic shelter for that. So we'll be doing the public um, input process on this in the, in the coming months and have the work done on this next summer. Number 16 is the Court Hill Park Shelter and Playground. In this particular park, the restroom is fairly new, so we won't be replacing that, but we will be probably once again uh, replacing just one, and there's currently two shelters, uh, probably replace one, remove one, and then uh, replace the playground that's there. It's one of the older playgrounds we have still in our park system. Item number 17 is Robert A. Lee pool filter and dehumidification process. Uh, the project, this is all the behind the scenes equipment that makes the Robert A. Lee pool run and function. Uh, this will also kind of, this will be one of the questions is asked on the recreation and facilities master planning process of what should the future Robert A. Lee pool be as well. So that would there be changes or should it uh, continue as it is? But this is all the behind the scenes filters, pumps, and it would add dehumidification for more efficient operations. Number 18 is the Happy Hollow playground replacement. As you remember, just a few years ago, we did replace the restroom and shelter. Uh, we did some court refurbishment, some um, uh, of the field refurbishment this summer. But one thing left to do there is the playground um, and that will happen in 2023. Terra Mill Skate Park um, has, is reaching the end of its useful or salvageable life. It's well used every day, I believe, with the number of skaters out there. So in 2025, we're looking, or 2024, looking at renovating the skate park. Uh, we've had requests recently for, for lighting um, and some other uh, renovations to bring it up to more current standards for a skate park. So we'll be looking at that um, and doing the renovations there. City Park ball field improvements are happening. Um, now it's a 2021 project. This includes fence and dugout repairs, grading of the fields, which has already happened, and some lighting improvements, some of which have happened and some will still happen before next spring. Uh, 21 is Mercer ballpark diamond improvements, and this is 2023 through 2024. Uh, this is where currently City High plays. Um, holding this off till 23 or 24 will give us time to work with the school district to determine if indeed they will continue to play their varsity baseball at this site or they will be moving uh, to a new field closer to, to the high school. Um, this particular budget includes uh, artificial turf, which would need to be a partnership with the school district if we went forward with that. Um, and then a number of other improvements to all of the other fields at that facility. Item 22 is Hunter's Run Park, and this would be a new um, shelter and playground in the park. Uh, once again, also one of our older um, areas of park equipment, um, and this would replace that with, we would have a public input process to determine what type of playground and then a small shelter similar to our other shelters. Uh, item 23 is the Fair Meadows to Heights Trail along Highway 6, which Kent already mentioned that I've already talked about a little bit. 24 is events facility improvements. So this is for our Terry Trueblood Event Center and the Ned Ashton House 
things like staining the outside of the building, which is just a, a regular maintenance, ongoing maintenance task. And then at both facilities also up, upgrading the, um, the BAS system so that HVAC can be monitored along with all of the other systems within the city and some audiovisual equipment and upgrades at the TTRA Lodge. Number 25 is off-road bicycle trail development. Um, we are looking at a new site that we just acquired through Public Works um, along the Elks Golf Course and uh, developed this along with some other property that we have down in the river bottoms there uh, into an off-road bicycle track, single track um, bicycle course. Number 26 is Pedmall Playground. This one has been moved forward to this year. In fact, we had the kickoff meeting, hopefully for it later this week. Um, the Pedmall Playground has become very difficult to maintain. Uh, we are no longer able to get replacement parts for a number of the uh, slides and different pieces of equipment. In fact, it's, it's short at least one slide, if not two right now, just because we haven't been able to find replacements for them. So uh, this will look at replacing it with something new and we'll be doing a process with the library staff, the downtown association, um, and other stakeholders in that downtown area to come up with something really, really unique and, and um, attractive for the Ped Mall. Number 27 and 28 look to 2025 projects. The first one is Benton Hill. Uh, this replaces the playground. It's rather a small playground, uh, but replaces it in 2025. And then College Green Playground is a larger playground. Uh, which will get also replaced in 2025. In both cases, uh, probably not the shelters at those parks as they have uh, various structures, different structures um, that are important to the sense of place in those parks, but the playgrounds are reaching an age where they definitely will need to be replaced. Number 29 is asphalt resurfacing at the park maintenance facility. Um, the number one thing probably asked for by staff right now, <laughs> the uh, driveway is literally falling apart. So we look forward to getting that repaired and, and having safe access in and out of the park maintenance facility. Uh, same thing with number 30, the Willow Tree Creek trail replacement. Uh, this is a well-used trail and we're finding even more now this winter as we've been clearing snow and ice for more of this park. But as you can see from the photo, we've got roots that have come up through the asphalt. We'll be doing some remedial work in the spring to make it safe for use in the meantime, but then looking at a replacement for it in 2023. And the final project on our Parks and Rec list is ADA elevator improvements. So City Hall, uh, senior center, rec center, elevators all need to have some changes made to make them ADA compliant. Things like uh, voice active or voice um, audible systems and some other things that make them more accessible to more people. That's all for Parks and Rec. Thank you. Okay, Denise Brotherton with the police department uh, interim chief for another week. We just have two projects up here. The first one is our digital photo management. And what this would do would give us the ability to house digital evidence from any source and maintain security and efficiency in our evidence room. Um, the way that evidence comes into us is changed and evolved and we need to catch up with that. And as you can see, 
it's crowded in there and this will give us the ability to clean that up and have a more secure way to store uh, photos, recordings, um, downloads, and, and other type of digital evidence that come to us. And the next one. Denise, you were you, you got muted accidentally there. Am I back on? Yes. Okay. So again, at the shelter, uh, there's no backup power when we lose electricity, and with things like a derecho and other um, natural events we've had happen in the last couple years, uh, we find it can get very hot, very cold in there. There's not a whole lot of ventilation for the animals, so especially in that summertime. Uh, it, it was always a future plan to have this when they first built the facility. It was too expensive to do then, uh, but we've, we've wanted to do this. And as we have more incidents now and we lose that electricity, you see it's just imperative that we get that in there for those animals. And I am available for any questions. All right, moving on to public works, starting things off out at the landfill, a, a group of projects here. Uh, first one being the replacement of the equipment building. So this will be a, a new building that would actually allow for storage of all the equipment or the availability for storage for equipment out there. Currently, some of the equipment actually doesn't fit into the existing building. So um, this will help to alleviate that. The compost pad improvements. Good, good. So you the area have, out there. Computer, I notice when I'm on the Zoom. Um, it happens. So L3333, this will be basically improvements to the compost pad area, helping to make that area more usable and uh, more efficient for the, the composting uh, operations. The landfill dual extraction system, so that'll be an expansion of the existing system that is out at the landfill for um, leachate and, and gas. There's also a project for a future landfill cell design, so this will be kind of the design phase of that and then construction uh, in a, currently an unfunded year, but a future year. The bulk water fill station, so we have these at a, a couple locations throughout the city. Um, but basically what this does is it's a, a way to fill large tanks um, it would be usable for staff or contractors as needed. Also could be used for, for firefighting operations as needed. Um, and typically what this would do is to fill tanker trucks and, and that kind of stuff. There's a, a project for the leachate lagoons. There's currently two lagoons out at the landfill. This would look to essentially fill in one of the, the lagoons that's no longer being used um, and then making repairs or renovations to the, the other lagoon uh, out at the landfill. And then finally, expansion of the landfill gas infrastructure. So the gas collection system out there at the landfill. So that group out at the landfill, next one, is the Southside Recycling Site. This is down off of Riverside Drive near Sturgis Ferry Park. This would install pavements and other infrastructure to allow for a recycling site here. 
um, also would include lighting signage, that kind of stuff would also hopefully make it uh, available for providing compost and wood chips to users as well. Next one is a couple pieces of equipment for resource management. First being a couple of automated curbside collection trucks, uh, again, replacement vehicles there, and then replacement of a, a bulldozer for use out of the landfill as well. Number four is out off of uh, Westminster Drive. This is an area where in the past we received complaints of localized flooding during heavy rain events. Um, so this project will look to address the, those issues, look at upsizing storm sewer out there as well as some intake improvements and um, other stormwater improvements along that section. Rundell Street, the, the pump station vault out there, this will do a couple of different things. First, it'll make some modifications to the, the hatches and the, and the top of the vault there to allow for um, ADA improvements. So it'd be compliant sidewalk and curb ramps in this location. It'll also make improvements to um, some of the equipment actually included within the pump station that is reaching the end of its useful life. Number six is River Street. So this will make improvements to the storm sewer out there. Right now it's an existing ditch uh, along River Street. This is an area where we uh, have issues from time to time regarding debris and other stuff that causing blockages. So this will look at installing storm sewer and making uh, related improvements to that area. Number seven, Petzl Place storm sewer. So this will look to, again, upsize existing storm sewer infrastructure. Uh, this is an area where we've, again, received complaints of localized flooding. Uh, it's, we have some infrastructure that's in need of repair. Uh, so this project will repair that and, again, upside some of those facilities. Number eight, out at the public works site, sane assault storage bunkers. These are, were originally included in the public works site project um, and due to budget constraints were removed. Basically this will install covered storage out at the public works site, can be used for obviously sand and salt, uh, could also be used for topsoil or, or rock or other materials as needed for, for city operations. Number nine will address the non-public safety radio system, uh, making upgrades to that system, essentially, again, equipment that's reaching in of its useful life um, and is need of repair for, for moving forward. There's some pieces of equipment that will no longer be supported here in the near future. So uh, again, just making those necessary upgrades. Number 10, the Melrose Avenue improvements project. So this is on the west side of town will reconstruct Melrose Avenue and IWV uh, road out to the landfill. So it'll basically be between the landfill and Highway 218. Complete reconstruction, this will remain a, a rural section. So it'll be a, a roadway with ditches. Also includes water main extension out to the landfill as part of that project. Currently looking at bidding that through the DOT um, probably mid-year this year. Uh, and again, this is a joint project with the, the county. 
Number 11, so reconstruction of Dubuque Street from Washington Street to Iowa Avenue. This is another project that stems from the downtown streetscape master plan. This project would be done similar to what was done along Washington Street a few years ago. So it addressed not only paving, uh, sidewalk area, utility improvements, as well as lighting and some wayfinding as well. Kirkwood Avenue to Capitol Street connection. So this is down in the riverfront crossings area, just north of riverfront crossings park. This would look to extend Capitol or Kirkwood Avenue and Capitol Streets. This project will look at the functional design for that. So basically laying out the, the project, the alignment, that kind of stuff for the preliminary design for those extensions, as well as utility uh, improvements as well. Any funding for actual construction would happen in a, a future year. Court Street reconstruction, this will, this project will look at a complete reconstruction of Court Street from Muscatine Avenue to First Avenue. Again, this will be uh, all new pavement, sidewalk improvements, curb ramp improvements, as well as utility upgrades and repairs. Um, so complete reconstruction of that corridor. Out on Benton Street, We'll be doing a, a rehabilitation project, which will be a, an overlay of Benton Street from Mormon Trek to just west of Greenwood Drive, which is where we had done uh, overlay a, a few years ago. So kind of continuing the next section here, it'll include, include not only an overlay as well as curb ramp improvements. We're also looking at some water main improvements. And with this project, we'll also install uh, official bike lanes on Benton Street for this stretch. Reconstruction of Rochester Avenue. This will go from First Avenue essentially to Ralston Creek. Again, this will be another one that looks at a, a full reconstruction. So new pavement, new sidewalk, uh, as well as utility improvements throughout the corridor. Next, we have a couple of roadway improvement studies. So the first one will be at Highway 1, Highway 6 intersection. And this is, we'll look at basically uh, with a, a future reconstruction of the, the intersection, what that might look like. So it'll be kind of laying out that alignment and, and looking what that future improvement might look like. A big piece of this will also be pedestrian facilities, connections to the tr nearby trails and, and sidewalk connections through that intersection. The second one listed is the Oakdale Boulevard extension. So this will essentially be an upgrade or an update to a study that was done a, a number of years ago and will really focus on future extension of Oakdale Boulevard to the east of Highway 1 with redevelopment proposed or, or expected to happen in the not too distant future in that area, it really helps to kind of lay out that preferred alignment so that as redevelopment occurs, we're able to, to reserve that right away for, for future use. Uh, this one's been mentioned previously. So Dodge Street reconstruction, this will be a big one. Um, a joint project with the DOT will reconstruct Dodge Street from Governor Street on the north to Burlington Street on the south. This one will include all new pavement, sidewalk, and utility improvements as well. Um, and like I mentioned, it'd be a joint project with the DOT.
Orchard Street reconstruction. This is one that we have under design right now. Uh, the re complete reconstruction of Orchard Street from Highway 1 to Benton Street. This is uh, pavement that obviously is in, in need of replacement. And so it'll be all new pavement. It'll also include sidewalk infill along um, the east side of, of Orchard Street. So there'll be continuous sidewalk from Benton to Highway 1 on both sides of Orchard Street. Also will include a, a pedestrian crossing of Orchard Street on the south end at Highway 1. This project also will include um, some sanitary sewer repairs or replacement as well as water main replacement. So on to North Gilbert Street. This will be another reconstruction project. This will be again, new pavement. We'll also look at adding sidewalk along both sides of North Gilbert Street from Brown Street to Kimball Road. So it'll tie into the improvements along Kimball Road that were done with the gateway project, as well as pavement and sidewalk. It'll also include uh, new water main, sanitary and storm sewer improvements as well. Gilbert Street Bridge. So this will be a replacement of the existing bridge uh, with a similar structure. Uh, in addition to the bridge, it'll also include some slope protection along the, the creek, as well as sidewalk improvements, uh, some storm sewer replacement as well along Gilbert Street and other associated work. Park Road reconstruction. So this will look to reconstruct Park Road from Rocky Shore Drive to uh, Riverside Drive, again, tying into improvements that were recently completed with the Gateway Project, similar to the other products that include new pavement, sidewalk, and, and utilities throughout the corridor. Taft Avenue out on the east side of town. So this will be uh, another complete reconstruction. This one will probably be similar to what we're we're going to be doing on American Legion Road. So this would be, again, another rural section that we'd be looking at upgrading to an urban section with uh, new curb and gutter uh, utility improvements throughout the corridor. And so this section will be, oh, this section would be for from American Legion up to Lower West Branch. Foster Road elevation. So this will be a functional design for looking at the elevation of Foster Road, essentially from No Name to Dubuque Street in that area that flooded back in 2008. Um, obviously with the Peninsula neighborhood located where it is, this is the, the only access to that area currently. So this will look at what, that, what the design would, would include to elevate Foster Road to ensure that that access remains open during flood events. Next is a couple of sidewalk infill projects. The first one on Highland Court, there's a couple of, uh, of properties there that currently do not have sidewalks. So this would install sidewalk along those two properties and tie, on, tie into existing sidewalk on both ends. Similar along Scott Boulevard, there's a section of sidewalk along the dog park there, or a missing section of sidewalk along the dog park there that would be completed as part of infill with this project. 
Burlington Street Bridge replacement. This project will look at replacing the two existing bridges and combining those into one bridge. Um, so this will be a joint project with the DOT as well as the university. Um, in addition to the, the bridge component of the project, we also would look at the, the corridor from Front Street, essentially all the way from through Grand Avenue up to Melrose. Uh, been some preliminary conversations with the university to look at how that might be done better. Um, and so this project would look at not only kind of studying the area, but as well will include design of the project. Um, I would note that construction will, is actually outside of the current five-year plan right now scheduled for or planned for 2026. Reconstruction of Fairchild Street. So this would be a couple of blocks of Fairchild, similar to what we did on Davenport Street a couple of years ago. So this would go back as a brick street. Uh, essentially what we would do is, is construct a, a PCC street and then have a, a brick layer on top of that. Expected to definitely improve the longevity of the street. Likely will include some utility improvements as well. Next up is a couple of sanitary sewer improvement projects. So these are projects that will be essentially replacing existing sanitary sewer, um, just those areas that are in need of, of replacement. First one is uh, along Nevada Avenue. This is actually along the backyards of, of properties along Nevada Avenue. So again, replacement of existing sewer there. Rare at South Sewer, this will be upsizing the sanitary sewer along Abbey Lane from the park to the west to Highway 218, and then it would extend new sanitary sewer under Highway 218 to uh, for access to the west of Highway 218. Then the Benton Street Trunk Sewer Project, this will look to upsize and uh, relocate an existing line near Benton Street that will help with not only repairs to the sanitary sewer line, but also uh, greatly help access to the line, which is currently uh, difficult to do. Next one down at the wastewater treatment plant, the digester complex rehabilitation. This project will look at making a number of improvements, not only to equipment within the, the complex, but also some operational changes in how phosphorus is removed from the stream uh, that will help us deal with the struvite issues that we're dealing with down at the wastewater plant. So. Um, kind of twofold improvements as part of that project. Next are a, a number of projects that we'll be looking at replacing existing equipment down at the wastewater plant. So again, these are uh, pieces of equipment that are currently existing, reaching the end of their useful life. Many of these are operating uh, nearly full time. So uh, it just gets to a point where they need to be replaced. It includes the influent rake and screen replacement, which is essentially the kind of the first step of the, the treatment process down at the plant. Um, then there's a number of, of pump replacements for the influent pumps, the activated sludge pumps, and the uh, recirculation pumps. In addition, uh, replacement of the grit classifiers uh, and heat exchanger. And then finally, there's a number of, of buildings down at the wastewater treatment plant that have roofs that are in need of repair. So this will be uh, funding over a number of years to help kind of start the process of replacing those or repairing those as needed.
A uh, few improvements down at the wastewater treatment plant. First thing being um, some of the, the mixer portion of the, the plant, looking at making some improvements there, mostly on the efficiency side um, and helping to reduce energy usage, looking at making improvements to the biosolids conveyor, extending that and, and making it, again, uh, helping from an operational efficiency standpoint. And then a couple in improvements to the aeration basins and equipment down at the, the plant. Number 31 is a, a number of lift station improvements, starting things off with the Hawkeye lift station. This project we actually would remove the existing building, make some revisions to the uh, lift station there and turn it into uh, or convert it to a wet well, wet well uh, set up so would no longer have a building there. Um, making improvements to Napoleon lift station. Again, it's been in operation for a number of years and just have some uh, equipment that's reaching the end of its useful life. So making some upgrades and, and repairs to that location uh, and then making repairs to the Highlander lift station that is located up off of Highway 1 um, in the to the, the west there and looking at making some capacity and, and just uh, age improvements to that facility. Product number 32 is the jet truck replacement. So this is uh, a picture of the existing truck. This is something that has, again, reaching the end of its useful life. So making uh, a replacement of this vehicle, just getting to the point where maintenance costs and, and downtime are starting to add up. And so looking at replacing it with a, a new vehicle. Moving over to the water side of things, uh, a few water main replacement projects. So again, these are products that will be replacing existing main in, in existing locations. The first one, Bradford Drive, that's down near Southeast Junior High. Uh, the second one being Highway 1 from Hawk Bridge over to Westport Plaza. And then off of Highway 6, Fair Meadows to Industrial Park Road. Again, all pretty straightforward water main replacement projects. The fourth one there, again, replacing water main along Dill Street. Uh, I would note with Dill Street project, we also are looking at some sidewalk infill uh, kind of from the Black Springs Circle to the east to Teeter's Court. Product number 34, again, on the water side of things, making improvements to uh, some of the well locations. First one would be the Jordan well, looking at replacing equipment that's reached the end of its useful life, so improvements there. Um, out at the Peninsula well field, looking at doing some electrical work to provide redundancy um, to the well field out there. Uh, and then finally, looking at collector well, Number two, cleaning and upgrading there. Again, cleaning laterals and, and making repairs and uh, rehabbing the, the actual well. Moving out to the water treatment plant, uh, some improvements out there. First one being the high service pump, the variable frequency drives there. The, this is again, existing equipment that is in need of repair or replacement. Uh, making upgrades to the chlorine feeder system, uh, updates there as well as uh, improving staff safety uh, with that system. 
making improvements to the, the front meeting room out at the water plant. It's a, a large meeting room, definitely used for training and other large gatherings. Um, but the audiovisual equipment there is certainly dated. Uh, also, those improvements will help to improve the, the functionality of the space. And then the chemical room and outdoor lighting upgrades will be upgrades to LED equipment um, and also help with just the usability of the spaces and improved lighting for, for those areas. The GSR ground storage reservoir generator enclosure replacements. So there's uh, three locations, the Rochester Avenue, Sycamore Street, and Emerald Street, the ground storage reservoirs there have backup generators. Currently the existing enclosures are uh, getting to a point where they're no longer weatherproof. And so making replacements there to help extend the, the life of that equipment. Out at the water plant, or I guess part of the water system, looking at a treatment technology study um, with nutrient removal becoming more and more important um, as we, we move forward. Uh, this will be help fund a, a study to look at the nutrient removal process and, and provide some guidance on how best to move forward uh, with the, the system. And then finally, looking at asset inventories. So the city is currently in the process of implementing uh, an asset management software and program. And so with this, this will allow for data collection to get essentially the, the water and wastewater systems, get data for the entire system and have that ready to uh, populate within that software and, and allow for that asset management system to really be beneficial and, and utilize that that existing data. With that, I think I will pass it off to Darian for transportation. Thank you, Jason. We have nine projects to present to you this evening, the first of which is the replacement of our electronics in our smart parking meters. So this was a project about 10 years ago. It was quite a revolution, at least to me. I didn't have to carry change anymore, but um, now our parking meters allow us to, to sl slide your credit card in and out um, without having to carry change around with you. Fortunately though, they're uh, reaching the end of their useful life. Um, so we're having more parking meters malfunction, but probably more importantly, the 3G technology um, that they're all based out of, if you, if you follow, um, technology at all. It's pretty old and outdated and it's going to be discontinued very soon. So we are in the process right now of updating um, the, the internal computer components of our parking meter. The second project is video cameras for our parking facilities and these are really security cameras and they're designed to help keep um, our, our customers, um, their property, our property uh, safe and secure. The third project is parking enforcement vehicles. And this is really an expansion of a program that we already use today. So we have this vehicle um, before you, but it would be uh, duplicating it to enhance our services um, with lightning, excuse me, license plate reader technology to really aid in enforcement. Um, and uh, it really helps to uh, ensure we can get 
to uh, the areas of town that we need to. And as you might imagine, it takes a long time for a person to walk through um, our ungated parking facilities. And this is designed to help um, to help uh, improve enforcement of those areas. All right, our number four project is parking ramp automated parking equipment. And again, about 10 years ago, we, uh, we jumped into the automated parking equipment world. Um, it's, you know, you get a ticket in, you feed a ticket out, you can um, use your credit card for payment. It's been really convenient uh, for the public. Um, it's been very popular. But again, it's reaching, our equipment is reaching the end of its useful life. And we are spending a lot of um, additional staff time for our maintenance crew to help um, customers when they do have equipment that malfunctions. So this um, project would be to help uh, renew that automated parking equipment and all of our parking facilities. The fifth item is uh, the replacement of our LED fixtures and parking facilities. And again, we were we were pretty um, early adopting with our LED fixtures. Uh, we we saw a dramatic decrease in electricity usage and the amount of funds that were required to keep the power going in our ramps because those lights are on uh, 24 seven. However, um, uh, however much we love the electricity uh, reduction, unfortunately they don't last forever. So we're at the point now where we really need to invest in another round of LED fixtures um, for all of our parking facilities, except for the Harrison Street facility, which was just built in 2017 but the remaining of facilities really do need um, to have their equipment upgraded. The sixth project is tower place drainage modifications. And this parking facility was built to um, turn stormwater inward to the center of the facility. Um, and unfortunately, um, at the time this was designed, I don't know if they were, quite um, assuming maybe some of the changes in climate uh, that have been happening to us in recent years. And during extreme rainfall events, uh, we do have flooding in the very lower level of this facility. So this project is meant to help divert some of that stormwater from uh, the center of the facility and help divert some of it around the outside of the facility to reduce some of that pressure on, on the pipes, which can't handle um, some of those extreme, you know, 15 minute extreme weather events um, that seem to be increasing with frequency. The number seven project is, of course, our transit maintenance facility relocation project. And Dennis talked a little bit about this earlier. So this project would involve the construction of a new transit facility at the public works site um, off of McAllister and Gilbert Street. It would be a new facility for maintenance operations. It would be a new facility for storage. Um, uh, some reasons why this project is important is because we are currently hemmed in at our current facility, we cannot add another bus. In fact, we have a bus that sleeps in our bus wash every night, which might be the equivalent of sleeping in a bathtub because you don't have enough bedrooms sort of thing. So if we get into a position where we, we want to expand our service, we're, we're limited at this facility. Um, other, other reasons why um, this uh, facility is important is because we're really at a kind of a crossroad in, in transit and there's vastly, um, and rapidly changing uh, drivetrain technology. We're looking, we're foraying into electric technology. There's also hydrogen fuel cells and um, building a new facility purpose-built for alternate um, transit fueling will be really important. It'll be a really important aspect of this project. Um, uh, another item is that we have um, some 
the environmental issues on site at this location that precludes us from expanding here. So being able to move to a facility, a different, uh, different location that does not have those environmental um, uh, constraints will be, um, will be really useful. And uh, last but not least, in terms of funding, as Dennis mentioned earlier, and Mike Sarp also alluded to, you know, transit is also um, relies pretty heavily, especially, especially for large scale projects like purchase buses and for facilities on federal um, and state funding sources. We have been actively pursuing um, federal funding for this project specifically. Um, I'm, we're hoping our luck is, is better this year. We've been submitting multiple federal applications for the last several years and we will continue to do so. Those usually um, will net 75 to 80% um, of the project in terms of reimbursement. So we'll continue to um, go after funding sources for this project. The number eight project is our transit bus shelter replacement and expansion. And you may have seen a few of our new shelters around town. We're replacing shelters that are um, you know, damaged beyond their useful life, um, or it, we're adding shelters at locations that could really use them. We did press pause in this project um, during the last year because, um, again, we are, we're in the deep dive with all of our routes and stops, and we didn't want to, you know, invest in, in a stop until we knew for sure that, um, that it, was, it was part of the transit future. Uh, however, we are picking that back up again as that picture becomes more clear, and um, we can expect to see more transit um, amenities and facilities such as these transit shelters um, at stops um, in the future. Last but not least is transit interchange and bus stop improvements sort of um, piggybacks off the last project, but this is really to improve pedestrian safety and traffic flow at the interchange and to improve amenities again at transit stops throughout the community. And that can be anything from our bus stop signage to seating, shelters, um, you know, information boards, we received some really good recommendations from the um, consultant team that assisted us with the transit study. Um, so these funds would be earmarked to help um, implement some of those recommendations. And with that, I believe I'm turning it back over to Jason. All right, starting things off with the, the fire station. John, were you gonna speak to these? Sure. I can chat about them real quick. Uh, Fire Station 5 property, I think we, we just closed on that recently. And that's the one located down on South Gilbert Street across from the softball, softball diamonds. So we're doing some future planning. This will help us so with the response uh, on that part of the, the city and into downtown. And then the second one is the relocation of Fire Station 3 from American Legion, from Lower Muscatine Road, I'm sorry, to the American Legion Road. American Legion Road. Again, this will uh, give us the opportunity to just increase our coverage areas and help reduce response times. All right, the Burlington Street, Burlington Street Re Bridge Reconstruction Project, again, just wanted to note that the, the current five-year plan includes the study and, and design of the project, um, but the construction of the product actually would be outside the current five-year plan. So more just kind of a, a heads up, this is gonna be a, a long time coming for this product. It's obviously a significant one with the, the importance of the Burlington Street Bridge. Uh, so again, just a reminder, we're talking uh, multi-year construction, probably in the 26, 27 timeframe.
Good evening, just again, this is our 40th anniversary coming up. Um, we're working through our master plan, which is about 95% um, completed at this point. We'll be connecting um, with some architects to finish up. Um, we've had a couple opportunities for public input, um, as well as we've had an ADA uh, study, um, space needs study, as well as uh, we had an opportunity early on to partner with UI Public Policy to get some uh, overall community input about the future of the Senior Center and its usage. So um, just wanted to touch back on that and uh, we'll keep you updated as we continue to move along with this process. Okay, two parks and rec projects to keep on your radar screen. You've seen these uh, several times before. The Lower City Park Master Plan Improvements. Uh, we had a study done about four years ago uh, looking at how to better live and, and access the river while getting our amenities out of the way of the river. Some of these things have ha been happening. The new playground has been moved. Um, the bocce courts are now have been moved out of the flood area. You've seen a number of plantings, including prairie plantings, but this plan would go further with that. Uh, raising the roadway up to provide additional protection to the stage um, and the ball fields. And then the other one is the East Side Sports Complex. On the East Side, we had some additional work done on this this year to look at feasibility and look at numbers for it. Uh, community meetings that the baseball community is still very interested in having this happen. Um, it is good land. We've done a tree uh, buffer out there, but this just keeps it on your radar screen for the future as well. And that's it for Parks and Rec projects. All right, Mr. Mayor and Council, that uh, wraps up the presentation as far as the capital improvements plan. Uh, we're open to answer any questions uh, that you would have in regards to uh, what we've presented. Thanks to all of the staff for <laughs> kind of a marathon through a lot of the capital improvement items. I do want to open it up to, of course, our counselors to ask any questions or um, make any comments. I have, I have a few comments and questions. Um, the pavement management study, is that available online? So we are just putting the final touches on that. We anticipate that being uh, available probably here in the next, uh, hopefully matter of weeks. Uh, I believe at some point we the plan was to have a presentation to council of that report as well. Uh, on, uh, uh, on the ridership on the, on the bike system, um, do we have a, a sense of when we, we complete these projects, the level of ridership that uh, we see on these bike lanes that are going in? Kent, maybe that's a question for you. If yeah, I can. Yeah, this is Kent Ralston. I'm uh, having difficulty getting my video on, but hopefully you can hear me. Um, yeah, we do, uh, John. We actually go out when we do our peak hour counts and we do count uh, bikes that are both on the sidewalk and in street. So we do get a sense of that. Um, it just takes us a little time after those facilities are. Um, I have a couple of more questions. Um, on the Dodge Street project, if, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw 
across my my uh, my desk, so to speak, uh, the the possibility or the study of reverting Dodge to two-way traffic. Am I mistaken on that, Jason? At this point, the plan would be to for those to remain one way. I, I think there's been some discussion in the past, but I, I think at this point, the plan or the plan at this point would be to have them remain one way. So there is there wasn't any study that uh, was going to be considered for that as a possible. Not recently, as part of this process. Okay. We we had done John sort of a preliminary investigation. Uh, what it's probably been eight or more years ago now uh, that I could dig up and take a look at. But uh, as Jason said, nothing in the in the book, so to speak, for now. Okay. I mean, I, part part of my reason for asking is I, I've. Uh, had had the opportunity to speak with some neighbors just in a kind of more social setting, but they pointed out how uh, in front of some of the homes along Upper Dodge, as you're coming down the hill, uh, residents have installed um, barriers basically because of cars uh, leaving the roadway and, um, you know, they're trying to protect their homes with these barriers. So the two-way street, I think, could potentially... Um, help with that in, in the sense that uh, traffic speeds might be might be reduced. Um, a couple of other questions. Um, on the tree planting, I, I had an opportunity to sit in virtually on a relief uh, Cedar Rapids uh, discussion. Uh, Trees Forever had a symposium not too long ago. I think Tyler may have attended as well. I saw his name uh, and I have to say I was really impressed with the what Cedar Rapids is doing there. They're working with Trees Forever. Uh, they've also brought in some consultants, including Jeff Speck, to help with the master plan, which would be a 10-month effort, as I recall. And you know, Cedar Rapids is in a much more dire situation than Iowa City is in terms of its tree canopy. But uh, we've lost a considerable number of trees. And I, I would say one of the issues uh, that I've, I've always felt would help us accelerate our plan and what I sense is what Cedar Rapids is doing is by partnering with Trees Forever, they will be able to have a, a fairly robust volunteer component to their plan. And, and that's, I believe, if we we're going to try to accelerate our tree planting, uh, that would be uh, one component that I think would accelerate it as well as engaging the community in what I think would be a, a real strong community engagement effort. Uh, so it would serve many purposes to do that. You know, I'll be following the Relief Cedar, Rap Relief Cedar Rapids program. Um, I think there are maybe lessons that can be drawn from that effort. So thank you. Anyone else? I mean, I just like to thank staff, but given the time, rather than getting into a lot more questions and discussion, I would encourage that we take about a 10 minute break before we get into our work session. Does, does anyone have any objections to that? 
I'm not hearing any. Oh, go right ahead. You mean, you mean we're coming back to the same thing or just we finish now and? We'll come back to this link. No, no, I mean to, to ask question, continue asking question to the staff or? Well, I think uh, we can, that, that's up to us. So if you wanna continue to ask questions, um, that's a decision we make as a, as a council. If you have a question, I would say go ahead and. Uh, yes, uh, is this my question? Just I wanna make sure if we're done, so the staff ha doesn't have to be there waiting for us. Anyway, I, uh, I, I just want to ask um, Natasha, is she still here? Yes, I am. Hey, Latasha, Happy New Year. I just, uh, you know, my my every year questions, <laughs> which is the kitchen. Yep. Have you done anything about that? The kitchen is a part of the overall master plan. So mm -hmm. it is in, it's in the plan. It's set up to be a, um, a culinary kitchen that will be used for classroom as well as for catering. So it is a part of our master plan process. So it is a part of the CIP process here. Um, it's, I think it's a part, it, it, it will be in our second or in our third um, tier because we have to fix some of those infrastructural pieces for the overall standing of the building. But yes, it is, it's in our priority area for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome, no problem. That's it for me. Okay. Great. Any other burning questions before we go to a break? All right, we'll be back at um, 5 p.m. See you soon.